When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. And I'm Ryan Zoop. And we'll be weeks before Michigan and Georgia meet in the college football playoff. But that hasn't stopped the news from coming out of the Michigan program. We bring you up to speed on everything and go in-depth on Michigan basketball. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, Ryan, good to be talking to you here on Thursday morning. Aaron, taking taking a couple days off. I mean, the guy deserves it, I guess. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, no love lost. We, we can handle a two-man pod. So. Yes, we move, we move on. We move on. The train continues to chug away here. Like I said, we've got weeks before Michigan will kick off against Georgia. December 31st, we have a kick time for that. I don't know if we did the last time we potted 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. The Alabama-Cincinnati game is the earlier one, 3.30. No surprise there. Michigan's always going to be prime time. So, yeah. Can't wait to spend New Year's Eve in, in a press box with Aaron <laughs> when <laughs> the ball drops. Probably <laughs> still in, in the press conference. Yeah. So, there has been news. Like I said, we've got some some commitments to the Michigan football program. Tell us about them. Yeah. Michigan beat Georgia in a recruiting battle on Wednesday. They, they landed a top 100 commitment from linebacker Raylan Wilson out of Florida, the son of former NFL receiver, Robert Wilson. So yeah, this is a, a huge deal for Michigan. Michigan rarely goes in to the South and, and wins recruiting battles against the SEC powers, but they were able to do that here. And he becomes the fourth commitment in Michigan's 2023 class, really talented linebacker. I mean, he had 139 tackles, five sacks as a junior, a guy that can really do it all for uh, on the field. So, I mean, obviously a lot of development still has, has to go into this. I mean, he's only a junior, but a re- real building block in that 2023 class. And he even said it, he announced his commitment on uh, CBS Sports HQ and kind of talked about like, yeah, I, I want to be the guy that, that brings other guys with me to Michigan. So obviously JJ McCarthy was like that with, uh, with the 2021 class. So yeah, you always need need guys that that are going to go out there and, and kind of recruit for for the program as well. And, and it sounds like Wilson's going to do that. So yeah, huge difference there. And the bigger surprise was getting a commitment from in the 2020 class, four star offensive tackle Andrew Gentry, also a top 100 prospect. And it's interesting because. He hasn't played football since his senior year in 2019. He signed with Virginia in December 2019 and then immediately went on a two-year, is still on a, a two-year mission trip through his through his church. So really, he's basically cut off from the outside world uh, outside of Monday mornings when he talks with his family. So Harbaugh and, and company were, were able to, to meet with him on, on Monday and got a commitment from him. 
so yeah, that's a, another huge deal. So he'll be signing, uh, he'll be joining Michigan next next fall. This is huge because the 2022 class, Michigan only has two commits right now from offensive linemen two three stars. So yeah, I mean, don't really know. Like he hasn't been playing football, so it's going to be tough to see. But I mean, he's a six foot eight, three hundred pound, top one hundred recruit out of Colorado. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see his development, but yeah, I mean, he was a big time prospect. I remember his recruitment. Well, Michigan was on him big time back in, back in the 2020 cycle and he ended up choosing Virginia, but obviously they just had a uh, coach Mendenhall leave. So yeah, kind of opened the door for Michigan and they took advantage. Yeah. I can't imagine these, these calls where they filled them in and Michigan is going to the playoff now they're, they're good. So yeah, you might want to reconsider that. Right. Yeah. I mean, he told one of the recruits or his parents did that, that he hasn't been following at all. Like he doesn't even know like how they've been, how they've done this year. He just, he had those previous relationships and, and that kind of swayed his, his decision. So yeah, it's kind of a, an interesting story there. So he's a unique case, obviously, but you know, this Wilson guy coming in for 2023, so it's kind of two two part question on this. How how much is Michigan's success on the field? Do you think going to translate to recruiting success? And when will we, we see it? Will it really not be till that twenty twenty three class? Like the kids who are seniors now, who will come into Michigan, come into college next year as part of the twenty twenty two class. Is it kind of too late to sway those guys with your success this year? Or what? Uh, Mission's definitely pushing for for some guys that uh, in that twenty twenty or twenty twenty two class, and I mean they just got Zeke Barry, a top two hundred guy, safety from California. But really, yeah, it's it's starting. It's probably going to start with this twenty twenty three class because of all the coaching changes Michigan underwent in the off season. I mean, really, Michigan only has out of their twenty commits in twenty twenty two, only one, two, three, four are top three hundred prospects. Uh, that's pretty un- unheard of for Michigan, who's recruited pretty well over the years. Already in 2023, they have four commitments and two are top top 300 guys. Uh, Samaj Morden, a wide receiver from West Bloomfield, he's 338. So a really good start in that class. And I think these guys see the, the success on the field. They have more time to develop these relationships with coaches. They see the stability in place. When a lot of these 2022 guys were making their decisions, they didn't know much about these Michigan assistants. They didn't know the stability of the program. I mean, Jim Harbaugh took a pay cut last year. So right. obviously it was going to be tougher to, to land a top-notch class, but Michigan's doing a lot to try and get some momentum here late and kind of flip a few guys and, and land a few guys, and they still might. But, yeah, I mean, right now that 2022 class is ranked number 13 nationally. Uh, I, I don't see it getting up to a top-10 class. Uh, I definitely think that 2023 class could be really special for Michigan. Yeah, that's obviously important to try to capitalize on on you know what you're what you're doing on the field and kind of make it a, a win win. Some of the other news that's been happening with this program uh, is is awards, major awards. Aiden Hutchinson won the the Lombardi Trophy last night, given to the best lineman you know on either side of the ball, offense or defense in in the country. He's already won the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, he's a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. He's a finalist for the Senior Class Award, which is four C's, community, classroom, character, and competition. He's a Comeback Player of the Year candidate, kind of semifinalist for that. Remember, he broke his ankle uh, last season, okay, and then cut his season short. And he was a finalist but did not win the Campbell Trophy, often called the Academic Heisman, which is academic success, 
you know, your on-field success and then leadership. So, I mean, this guy is just, he's going to be all over the place. It's a good thing Michigan's got, you know, a private plane for him to go. Cause yeah. that and could be Houston. the number one overall pick too. It could be the over, <laughs> overall pick, but that's after the game. I mean, I'm just thinking before this bowl game, you know, they talk about how the guy doesn't take a playoff and practice. So you might, I don't know. I was going to be at all these practices. You got Houston, you got New York, you got all these other different commitments. Um, but yeah, it's obviously well-deserved and uh, not surprising. No, not at all. I mean, when, when you set the program record in, with 14 sacks this year and you still have at least one more game to play, you're doing something right and you're having a special season. And yeah, like he, he's like we've said countless times, I mean, his ability to get pressure in, in numerous ways and beat top tackles in, in the country is just super impressive. And he's a major reason why this defense has had a really stark turnaround in 2021. There was a play against Iowa where he came off of the edge and he beat the lineman and then a running back came in to try to get him. And he just kind of sh- just kind of pushed him aside like it was like a kid brother or something like before getting to the quarterback. It was it was pretty remarkable. So, yeah, that's what this week is looking like for Aiden Hutchinson. Saturday night is the uh, Heisman Trophy presentation. He's a major underdog to, you know, a quarterback of another of a playoff team. Uh, Bryce Young in Alabama expected to win, but, you know, just getting the invite you know, and, and being there possibly finishing as runner up is, is of course a huge deal. Josh Gaddis won the Broyles award. That's given to the top assistant coach in the country. That was a little bit surprising. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, why do you say that? Cause to me, it's just, it's a really hard award to kind of, to, to give out each year, but yeah. Wh- why do you say it's surprising? He obviously did a good job. Yeah, no, he, he did do a very good job, but I mean, I don't even think he was the best assistant on Michigan staff. I mean, the issue with with Michigan last year, I mean, obviously the offense wasn't great, but it was mainly defensively. Like they couldn't stop anyone. They yeah. bring in Mike McDonald, completely changed their scheme, and now they got one of the best defensive units in the entire country. I don't, and, and I looked at some of the other finals. I mean, you got the Georgia defensive coordinator. I mean, Georgia allowed under a touchdown per game heading into the SEC championship and you look at I mean West For- Wake Forest offensive coordinator. I mean, they kind of came out of nowhere, had one of their best seasons in program history and, and their offense was putting up points left and right. So I, I think Josh Gaddis did a good job, but to be considered the top assistant in all of college football, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the offense is good, but it, it still didn't rank tip top of many categories. I mean, they were top 10 in rushing, but not in, in scoring offense nationally or, or total offense nationally. So I don't know. And then, I mean, when you look at the position group he coaches is the receivers and you would have to probably say that that's the arguably the, the weakest point of, of missions offense, but I mean, Hey, it's good for him. And he, he has, especially in these last couple of games, he, he is really, his play calling has been superb, but I was definitely surprised to see him win it for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the way that Michigan finished is huge here. Putting up big points, 40-plus. Was it 42 exactly against uh, Ohio State and? To back 42-pointers. And and Iowa. So, I mean, that's just huge. And we talk about how this offense, it's explosive in a different kind of way than than you're maybe used to. And they, when all is said and done, now they've played an extra game, you know, compared to most many teams in the country, but you know, they, they, they're finishing with the most plays of 50 yards or more from scrimmage, you know, most plays then, you know, no team has more 60 yard plays from scrimmage or 70 yard plays from scrimmage. Now machine does, does it more in the run game than most, but bottom line is like they have hit big plays. They have put up big points, especially lately. It's wild to think that yes, the offensive coordinator is a national assistant coach of the year, given how we kind of 
critiqued the offense for much of the season. Mm-hmm. They, they've gotten the job done. Here they are in the college football playoff and yeah, putting up big numbers. So I, I think uh, Jerome Moore deserves a lot of credit here sure. too, because I mean, he, he did receive the, the co-offensive coordinator title in the off season and, and took over an offensive line group that, I mean, yeah, they were banged up last year, but that has really been a strength for them this season. And I know the players have raved about coach Jerome Moore and, and other coaches too. So I think he has a lot to do um, with, with Michigan being so physical and dominant up front. Up front. I think he deser- deserves a lot of credit there. Absolutely. All right. Now, Ryan, before we spoke, I, we kind of put together an outline for the podcast and I left out something intentionally because it's going to be a little, little kind of not trivia, but a little game we like to play. I think we played it on this podcast before, but I can't remember oh, no. Aaron's, Aaron's missing out, but so be it. You know, you know, the game, like two truths and a lie. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is going to just a little difference. Three truths and three lies there. How closely have you looked at the bowl games? I see you mentioned this yesterday and I thought we were going to talk about it. And then you sent a a new outline today and you didn't have it. I mentioned it yesterday. Yeah. You mentioned in our in our podcast chat, you're like possible topics to discuss. And you said bowl game schedule. And then today you didn't mention it. So I'm like, all right, don't have to really dive in too much into the bowls. But I meant something different when I put that in there. I wish I hadn't even put that in there. Did you look at them? Did you look at the list? All right, perfect. You didn't didn't prepare. So that's this is perfect. So I've got three. I'm going to read off six bowls. Some of them are actual bowl names. Some of them I have made up. You have to tell me which ones are real, which one are not. I'll read them all to you and let you decide instead of going one by one. Let it all sink in. Three are real, three are not. I'll tell you, I didn't do any like change the sponsor, but keep the city or vice versa. Like that's kind of dirty. You know what I mean? Because those change change every year, not every year, but often enough. So they're either completely made up or they're completely real. Here we go. Three truths, three lies, college football bowl game edition. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. The Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. The Roman ED Medication St. Petersburg Bowl. The DraftKings Mobile Sportsbook Bowl. And the Jake from State Farm Insurance Bowl. That's six of them. You need any repeated, let me know. Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Roman ED Medication St. Petersburg Bowl. DraftKings Mobile Sportsbook Bowl. And the Jake from State Farm Insurance Bowl. That's six of them. Which three are not real? Uh, I don't think Jake from State Farm Bowl. That can't be real. If it is, my goodness. Um, I feel like I heard something about Roman ED. No, no. uh, No, they can't have a bowl with that name on there. But maybe You've eliminated two. Well, I'm not going to lock you in yet, but I am bolding the ones you're saying are fake on my little sheet here. All right. So I'll go with the Tony and the Tigers fake. Jake from State Farm is fake. And Roman E.D., you can't have a bowl like that, but it is 2021. You never know. All right. Yeah, I'll go with that one, too. It's fake. All right. You did pretty well. You did pretty well. The Jake from State Farm Insurance Bowl, not a real bowl. The Roman ED Medication St. Petersburg Bowl, not a real bowl. But come on, there's a commercial for it. Every single break during a game you watch, I don't know why it couldn't be a bowl sponsorship, but it's not. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is a real thing. It is oh. happening. It is my dream to cover this bowl. Some people want to you know, enjoy your time at the, at the college football playoff. I want to go to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl and get 
all of the swag. I want it. I want it all um, as a <laughs> as a lifetime Frosted Flakes eater. This would be big for me. It's uh, Washington State and Miami this year on December thirty first. That's a big deal in in El Paso. That's the one that's that's real. Meaning the DraftKings Mobile Sportsbook Bowl was not real. Made not really. I, that was your debate in one. there. Yeah. yeah. Well, you did well overall. Our listeners, I hope we're we're playing along uh, as well here. Yeah. So that that's a little just a little interlude, a little game I like to play every year. Aaron will will play along as he when he listens to this. I'm sure. Let's talk some hoops. Let's talk some hoops. Uh, look a little bit different tone than than uh, I guess we talked about the the wind in San Diego State a little bit in the last game, but wow, <laughs> was not expecting that against Nebraska. Hundred and two to sixty seven. That's a thirty five point win. Their biggest in a Big Ten game since the uh, end of the twenty sixteen seventeen season when they beat Nebraska by thirty six points. Very balanced attack in that game led by a, a senior Derek Walton who was who was catching fire and about to lead Michigan to a uh, Big Ten championship after a plane crash and a Sweet 16 and all that. But yeah, this was something. We've talked about the offense having some problems. Did not in this game. 15 made threes on 32 attempts. And how many different guys made threes? Like eight? Eight different Wolverines <laughs> hit from deep. You know, six in the first half. You know, Caleb Houston made four threes against San Diego State. He made four threes again. Hunter Dickinson, you know, was very efficient inside. And then you had two kind of quieter pieces throughout the season step up in a big way. Brandon Johns, okay, returned to the starting lineup because Musa Diabate did not, did not make the trip, as I kind of referenced in my pregame story. Didn't think he was going to. He didn't. They haven't said that he has a flu for sure. I mean, Jawan just kind of mentions, oh, the flu has been going around, but can attest to that. <laughs> not saying that's what we have, right? Not saying that's what he has. But yeah, Johns goes back into the starting lineup. And scores 20 points. I mean, inside and out uh, at the foul line, gets the job done. Terrence Williams comes off the bench, career high, 22 points. I mean, he truly was scoring from all over. With He goes three for three from three, but you know he's backing his defender down. He, he's, he's scoring on cuts to the basket. He looked like a big-time scorer. Everyone wants to talk about his defense and the little things he does, but Hunter Dickinson called, compared him to Carmelo Anthony. So he's got that Carmelo game where he can just hit tough shots, and I don't know, we've... We've kind of seen it this year so far. So that that was huge. Uh, Zeb Jackson, you know, got a little more run after he he had been sick for a while. Um, he plays 15 minutes. You know, he hits a three. He, he gets to the basket. So good minutes from him. And they turn defense into offense again. I mean, that was a key. Like, against San Diego State, it was full court pressure. They forced the issue. Nebraska just sort of, they didn't have a lot of turnovers. They just had a lot of missed shots. Five of 35 from three. That's crazy. Um, and they made a few early. And then just went completely cold. Uh, one guy went three for 11, you know, another guy 0 for four, one for five, like 0 for five. They were just throwing them up quickly in the shot clock. Michigan was getting the rebounds, you know, for the most part, one and done and going the other way. And it was just, it was just, it had to be a really fun game to play in and in, in a, in a get right game, if you will. I mean, they put in a walk on with seven minutes left in the game. Michigan did and, and just coasted. So yeah, big night, nice win for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, obviously Nebraska is not really wasn't supposed to contend in, in right. the Big Ten this year. So, I mean, yeah, obviously 102 points impressive, but how, do you think this is sustainable moving forward? This offense effort, at least. I mean, you're not going to hit 15 threes like every game, or even maybe on any other game this year. But like the shot quality was good. They were getting good looks and and they were getting layups too, and, and getting out in transition. So, no, just because I mean, Hoiberg said like. 
Nebraska's effort was was just not there. But it's it's a good sign. They're capable. They've they've it's got to be a confidence booster. And yeah, I mean, I think we talked a little bit about Frankie Collins playing more against San Diego State, and then one guy that really wasn't as involved against Nebraska was Frankie Collins. I mean, 15 minutes, only two points. I mean, what's how how would you evaluate this point guard position at this point? Yeah, so we talked about whether Juwan would make this change in the starting lineup at, at point guard. He didn't. He stuck with Devontae Jones, who he was another guy that didn't really get in on the scoring. Three points, one of five shooting, but he handed out, you know, a, a game high eight assists with no turnovers. So, like, that's what they need from Devontae Jones. They have Hunter Dickinson. They have Eli Brooks. They have Caleb Houston. You know, they've got these other pieces that are now that are now scoring for him, too. It's okay if he's, you know, the third, fourth, fifth option sometimes, but he's running the show and he's playing good, smart defense without fouling. He had three steals. He had more steals than fouls, three steals, two fouls um, in 25 minutes. And yeah, you know, like I said, the eight assists and no turnover. So that's what they need from him. You know, Collins came off the bench and yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't really scoring, but he, you know, he had three points, three assists and, and no turnover. So 25 assists overall for Michigan season high. Like it wasn't guys creating one-on-one. It was guys, you know, sharing the ball and getting good looks uh, that way. So point guard battle still, still ongoing. You know, Devontae Jones, still your starter for now. It, it just seems like there's a, there's a drop off with just overall skill level with him though, too, just compared to last year. I mean, he just doesn't seem to to have, he's not as smooth back there as some of the missions point guards in the past, but long season and you're going to need, need multiple guys to, to contribute there. So yeah, so Michigan has what Minnesota up next at home. Yep, a team that got down big time against Michigan State last night and kind of came came back and almost almost covered, but they were <laughs> one point away from from the. I think the spread was was seven and they lost by eight. But. Yes, if you're following that point spread, it looked like Michigan State was trying to give it away, but uh, Minnesota. Listen, it was seven zero start. I'll call it what it is: fool's gold. You know, under first year coach Ben Johnson, they just, they they lost everyone from last year. Which when you're you know near the bottom of the Big Ten and you know under 500 overall, I guess it's not a bad thing to lose people. But I'm um, kind of just st- starting over from scratch. And you know he's got them playing hard, but I don't think they're ready to compete. You know with with the better teams in the Big Ten. And Michigan State is one of those teams, and Michigan I, I think is one of those teams. So yeah, Michigan it, it's a it's just a good schedule for Michigan after their early season struggles. They they got the key win against San Diego State, blew out Nebraska. You know, favorable matchup with Minnesota and Southern Utah, Purdue, Fort Wayne during, you know, these this this holiday finals time, you know, just try to keep getting right before you know the games start to get a little tougher. Even, you know, UCF is not great, um, but that's on the road. Rutgers has really struggled. So, like, you still got you got a full like month, actually, uh, before you play, you know, another really good team in Michigan State. I mean, it, it then picks up after that. But, yeah, chance to kind of continue to to get right for for Michigan. Do you know the nicknames for Southern Utah and Purdue Fort Wayne? Uh, of course I do. It's a silly question. They're both great. Okay. They are both great. Now the, the Southern Utah coach, I don't know if the coach is from Michigan or they just have, now I'm getting confused. I talked to a professor there for some other story. Now I'm trying to remember, but I think, I think there's a Michigan connection, but they're the Thunderbirds. Okay. And Purdue Fort Wayne is the Mastodons, which is even better. I mean, I'm all for that. I, I like the Wolverines because <laughs> There's only one other, well, you know, Wolverines in, um, you know, Division One. So, like, you know, Michigan's playing a team uh, in, in the college football playoff that, uh, you know, we've, we've, yeah. you know, we've, we've seen enough of, you know, the Bulldogs. So it's They're like not even the only Bulldogs in their own conference. Yes, it's <laughs> Bulldogs and Wildcats. We've seen enough of. Do you know the other uh, 
the other Wolverines, by the way? Uh, I figure you might ask that. I, I really have no, I do not know. I couldn't tell you. Utah Valley University. So, Ooh, yeah, I would not have guessed Utah Valley. Yeah. I would say while I'm all for different things, like don't choose Wolverines after, you know, when, if, when you got the Michigan Wolverines, like you can't choose Wolverines, you can't choose Buckeyes. Like we've got things that are, that are just too, too big that, you know, go, go with something else. Mastodons. I love it. Thunderbirds. Love it. They're the, they're the only ones of those. All right. And then the women's team, they're on uh, big 10 network tonight. So we'll let people know nine o'clock tip though, but uh, at Wisconsin, kind of similar deal for, for the women. They play the two early big 10 games this year, even though they only play 18 conference games. So I have to look into exactly why, but that's what they're doing, and neither are particularly challenging. Also get Minnesota on Sunday at Chrysler, so another chance for them to kind of ease into it. Now, their, their non-conference schedule then picks up a little bit. They go and play Baylor on a neutral floor after that, but yeah, chance to, to kind of continue to get right and get healthy. Um, Leah Brown, you know, returned. I don't know still when Amy Dilk will, but... Yeah, they've got they've got pieces. I mean, they're bringing Brown off the bench, so that's that's kind of a good sign, I think. You know, as they try to find a nice balance so that all their bench players aren't freshmen. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the uh, the basketball. Up. We got the recruiting update. We had uh, the awards update. Had a little fun with the bowl game stuff and, and and hoops. What else you got? Anything else this episode before we wrap it up? No, I think we'll probably have one at least one more before the early signing period begins next Wednesday. So. Um, obviously always a, a big day in college football so we'll have you covered from all angles there sounds good and we'll continue to have coverage leading up to michigan's orange bowl matchup with georgia all right thank you for listening